This is the Data Privacy Detective, and today we're going to take a trip to Hong Kong uh, with Pordrig Walsh. Pordrig, uh, good morning here, good evening, your time. Uh, well, good evening and good morning. Uh, this sounds like the Truman Show already. We may as well say have a, a, a good rest of the day right up front. Well, Pordrig, we're uh, recording this in uh, early August of 2019, and of course, Hong Kong's been much in the news. We'll see where that all heads. You know, Hong Kong uh, uh, was uh, free of the British, what, 1997, I think, was the year, and, and the idea was 50 years of, of two systems, one country. Uh, that was the slogan, and of course, uh, like all of history, it continues to unfold. But today we're going to talk about data privacy, and we and I'm, I'm delighted you can be with us. Pordrig, uh, you're at the great firm of, uh, of, of Tanner DeWitt, and, and tell us a little bit about what you do there. Well, I, I'm, I sit in the corporate commercial department in the firm, but my particular claim to fame is that I focus on clients that are in the technology sector. And of course, one of the core areas of work is around personal data privacy, and cybersecurity. So I find that a lot of the work I do is specifically in that space, which is why it's such a thrill to be on your show. Well, and Hong Kong, of course, has been one of the great commercial centers uh, uh, of Asia, really, of the world. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, as somebody from, I'll say, the West uh, looks at, at Hong Kong, what's your advice about that? Should, should we view it as kind of part of China and taking the Chinese approach to everything or or still sort of the British approach or something in the middle? Uh, you know, how should we think of Hong Kong in relation to its data privacy system? Well, if you think of the expression you used a moment ago, Joe, uh, one country, two systems, the two systems part of that is absolutely critical for international businesses looking to this part of the world and to how they want to engage with business in China. Because what it allows, what Hong Kong allows, is a system of governance and rule of law that is very, very familiar to what uh, people are accustomed to in places like you know, the US and the UK and EU and so forth, uh, but with preferential rights of access to, uh, to mainland China. So that systems part, particularly within the uh, area of personal data privacy is very, very familiar to what people will know in the U.S. and in the EU. So if you had to kind of make a contrast between the Chinese approach to data privacy, which, like everywhere, it continues to evolve, but is somewhat China-centric, it involves data localization and control of platforms and so on, versus the more uh, freewheeling system in the United States, although protecting uh, sensitive personal data, or the more restrictive, but in a way similar approach uh, in Europe, although much more comprehensive in the U.S., you would say, what, Hong Kong is more like, if you had to pick one of the two, it's more like the Western approach or the Chinese approach uh, currently? Well, more like the Western approach. To give you the exact genesis, uh, the personal data privacy ordinance in Hong Kong uh, was brought in in 95, 96. I well, think. that made Hong Kong a pioneer. That was very early, wasn't it? It was very early, and it was still under English rule, and it was based on uh, the privacy rules that were in the UK at the time. Now, it's, it's had one update since then, in 2012, but that gives you the exact genesis of the system of personal data privacy that applies in Hong Kong. 
So if you look at what's happened in recent developments in, in mainland China, where you have the new cybersecurity law with that realm, you know, that stream of what constitutes a state secret and uh, critical information, uh, uh, critical information structures and so forth, that doesn't apply insofar as Hong Kong. And, and maybe one point of um, contrast is, is that the processes around international transfer of personal data from Hong Kong to elsewhere, uh, there is no present restriction. There are some guidelines, there are some policies around it, and certainly there are some elements of the uh, data protection principles as part of the ordinance that will apply, but there isn't a statutory restriction on the international transfer of personal data from Hong Kong to elsewhere. So you don't see the data localization approach that's more common in China, India, Russia, so it's it's quite different from that, more like the U.S., where it's you protect certain data and there are rules about it, but uh, a free transfer between, let's say, uh, the uh, parts of a multinational enterprise. Yes, yes. I think it's more, much more similar to that than would apply in respect to some of the more restrictive states around particular kinds of personal data, as you've mentioned, like mainland China, India, and so forth. Now, Hong Kong has a, has a, a, a data privacy commissioner, personal privacy commissioner, and, and what's the approach the commissioner takes? Does he, he or she have the power to levy heavy fines the way we see out of the EU and, and more recently out of the United States? Or is it more... Uh, sort of encouragement and uh, discipline to encourage uh, companies to uh, comply with the law? More of the latter. Uh, the, the way that it works is, is that there are, there are particular offenses under the ordinance, and in those circumstances, if the privacy commissioner finds that an offense has occurred, he'll refer the matter to the Department of Justice, they'll take a view as to what they prosecute, and it's the DOJ that would prosecute offenses in the courts, not the privacy commissioner, and it wouldn't be the privacy commissioner that would impose any fines. Uh, but where he achieves compliance, if, if there is a breach, there are six guiding data protection principles in Hong Kong. If the privacy commissioner finds that there's been a breach of those principles uh, after an inquiry and investigation, he can issue what's called an enforcement notice. An enforcement notice, um, okay. Yeah, so, so, so that's, that's intended to compel the, you know, the data user to comply with whatever the privacy commissioner is asking, usually remedial steps, improve your systems, uh, undergo some kind of external review of processes and so forth, those kinds of things. Uh, and what happens is that if, if the failure to comply with a, an enforcement notice is itself a criminal offense that could be referred to the DOJ. So ultimately, the Privacy Commissioner himself has got no ability to impose a fine, for instance, in the way that the uh, Information Commission in the UK has you know, levied some fairly breathtaking fines against BA and, and the Marriott Hotel Group. That fine-giving uh, power doesn't exist in Hong Kong in the same way. It doesn't exist at all in the same way. Very good. And how about the private sector? Do we see class actions and uh, individuals suing for their data being hacked and getting large uh, awards, or, or just the opposite? What, what do you see uh, from the Hong Kong courts? Well, the, the Hong Kong courts have, have always frowned upon class actions. They've always looked at uh, an individual enforcing their individual rights in a uh, legal proceedings for which they've got focused standby. 
and then recovering or reclaiming the loss that he has suffered. Now, one of the problems, and this is this is almost a, a cultural point or a, a, a broader point, a societal point about personal data, is that it's very, very difficult to show individual loss arising from a data breach, a cybersecurity incident. X data breach happened, I suffered Y loss. It's very hard to connect those dots. Um, but what you can see, and this is where legislation such as GDPR really has a role to play in the future, uh, is that at a societal level, you can see where there's a loss, and you can see why the higher levels of fines that are possible under GDPR might might serve a, a cultural or a societal uh, purpose that you wouldn't otherwise achieve through litigation. But in terms of class action, virtually, certainly frowned upon, virtually impossible in Hong Kong. Very good. Well, uh, it sounds like it's a great opportunity. Are there are there commercial opportunities you you are seeing among clients and businesses in in Hong Kong that focus on uh, data and the processing of data, uh, especially as a kind of maybe a hub for Asia? What's your what's your view of that? Well, one of the things that you see in this part of the world, particularly in Hong Kong and in Singapore, is that because of the sophistication of the IT systems and the telecom systems here, um, that they're, they're very, very good centers for regional data center hubs. And uh, if you look at the rankings of the past uh, five or six years around cloud computing services, you know, Hong Kong and Singapore have basically been swapping first place in the rankings for, for regional centers in Asia Pacific. So that's one of the areas that is uh, potentially interesting for investment. I mean, if you were to look at total revenue for data centers in, in Hong Kong, it's expected to reach a billion dollars this year. And the Hong Kong government has allocated specific land. If you think land availability and land supply is a major issue in Hong Kong, but they've allocated and earmarked specific land development for data centers on the basis that uh, data centers uh, and the Greater Bay development, Greater Bay is the area between Hong Kong and Southern Guangdong province. Uh, that Hong Kong has a, a role to play in terms of being a data center for the transmission of data between the greater, by and between the greater Bay Area. So there's a great opportunity for that, and probably an opportunity where Hong Kong, for that greater Bay data transmission role or data center role, has a leading, uh, leading position over other locations, including over Singapore. Of course, lawyers uh, are trained to look at the dark side of things. So uh, let's 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 flip the coin for a second. And what are the risks that uh, one sees uh, if if a business uh, chooses to uh, use Hong Kong as a data center or for major processing of things? What are the risks that you uh, you warn people about? Well, I, I think what you would always look at is that, and this, I think this is true. Uh, of any particular location is that people have got good data hygiene in respect of what they're looking to do and what they're looking to achieve. So that whatever they're trying to, to do in Hong Kong, um, in terms of the, you know, collecting, gathering, processing, retaining, securing uh, data, be it personal data or data generally, that they have the right systems in place, that they've got the right infrastructure in place, they've got the right permissions in place. Uh, if all of those ingredients are there, well, then Hong Kong's got a lot of advantages, it's a, a, a 
separate system of laws in mainland China. It's got an independent court system, rule of law, in, in, a, in a way that uh, international businesses will be familiar with. So, but, so the risks tend to be the normal commercial risks you would face when you're looking at personal data or data generally in respect of uh, any sophisticated business. Very good. Well, thank you for taking us on a brief tour of Hong Kong as it relates to data privacy, Pordrig. And uh, as always, I will sign off by saying protecting your personal data starts with you. Pordrig, best wishes, and thank you so much. Thank you, Jeff.